You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning on fourth down. Manning pulls the trigger. One on one. Lewis! Oh, incredible! Roger Lewis! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. I am with the best damn co-host in the Football Grump. You're damn right. That's, you know, <laughs> pretty much that's been the highlight of the season so far is... Us. ...discussing the New York Football Giants twice a week because <laughs> it hasn't been that exciting to see on the field, and we have another month of this drudgery to go, so... Great hearing your voice, Grump. You're doing yeah. a fantastic job. And you can always hear my voice on iTunes and SoundCloud along with yours. Um, if you download or subscribe to Just Giants on iTunes and SoundCloud, you can get all of our episodes for free. Hashtag Grump for Segway Pro Bowl. Mm, you like that? Very nice. As um, speaking of Pro Bowl, that I mean, I know people are talking about that, and Giants fans don't have much to talk about other than Probably Barkley is the only one, right? I, I guess Beckham is in the conversation, right? I mean, if if you look at the pure numbers, I think you know Beckham has a definite shot. I mean, sure. Again, I am a, one of those guys, and I'm sure you are too, Grump, who cares more about the All-Pro team than the Pro Bowl. Oh, of course, yeah. Right. So it'd be interesting to see where Beckham would fall in that. Um, you know, the touchdown numbers are the one that kind of gets all the headlines and the attention. But if you know you throw that away, you know he has he's done a pretty good job this year. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of Giant fans always make that, you know, they complain, why are we getting the ball into our best playmakers' hands? And is there another team in the NFL right now that's getting uh, making a more of an effort into their two best players' hands than Barkley and and uh, than Beckham at this point? Dude, that's a that's an excellent point. So. You know, the the two common complaints, I think, this year offensively was why aren't we getting it to Barkley and why aren't we getting it to Beckham? And they seem to just flip-flop between those two. <clears throat> now, obviously, you'd like to strike a balance, right? Sure. I mean, a balance between passing and running, between, you know, all your different weapons, you know, on the outside. And, you know, well, running game's kind of the running game, but... uh yeah, I, I, I definitely think we've made, you know, Barkley is such a weapon where, you know, he's an equal threat almost of the little dump off pass as he is running the ball that uh, you know, he's getting a lot of touches. I mean, the big story was last week about only touching the ball five times in the second half. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about, Grump, and I just didn't think of it last week was that it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing. You know, if Barkley is playing that that second series, do we think there's a better chance there's more plays the Giants ran because he'd be more effective than Wayne Gallman running the ball or possibly catching a swing pass and extending a drive to, you know, get a first down or two so there'd be more plays for the Giants to work with? Well, if the question is, is there a better chance, I would say yes. I would say a better chance is not necessarily, you know, a large difference um i don't think gallman played poorly in the snaps that he was in there uh i thought he was like an average running back and we know that barkley is an above average running back um but i think a lot of what went wrong in terms of the time of possession in the second half was very simply the defense was not getting lucky 
you know, bad penalties called on the Eagles, including one that was a touchdown that was called back on a on a BS call in the first half. You know, stupid mistakes that the Eagles were making shooting themselves in the foot just didn't happen in the second half. And the defense wasn't mm-hmm. playing good all game, but they were truly exposed in the second half when the Eagles stopped shooting themselves in the foot. That's where the time of possession, I think, was really lost. And I don't think that the offense was playing fantastic in the first half. I think some of the miscues in the first half for Philadelphia were just happening on both sides of the ball, and it just kind of got straightened out. Right. But in the um, second half, though, we only had, what, 10 plays in the second half? Was it even that many? It was 21. We had 21 total plays in the second? I, yeah, I I'm so. sorry. I was, thinking, I was thinking third quarter. My apologies. Yeah. I think yeah, and, third- and I agree with you. I, I do think that... Yeah, if Barkley had started the the second half in that first drive, yeah, maybe they get a first down. But I, again, they weren't really aside from the very early game. Uh, they were not exactly clicking on all cylinders in the in in the first half offensively. No. Um, I mean, you know, your typical two minute drill that Eli ruined with an interception. He was playing lights out up until that point. I mean, that was Eli orchestrating that drill as we've seen a zillion times, right? That's yeah, and, one of his strong also, points. And let's also stop with the, the game was lost. Yeah. Please. I mean, that's again, you know, I, I, not to, I don't like to look at things as purely numbers. I mean, sometimes the smell test is out there too, but, you know, the stats for Eli in the last week have been pretty damn good. The stats are pretty impressive last week. And all of a sudden to say the game was lost because of that one throw – is silly. I mean, I mean it's it's so it's fair to say that it was a turning point in the game. It was. Yeah, but but no, definitely not. Um. So yeah, I I just thought it was a little. Uh, you know, this fan base is looking for reasons to find a scapegoat. Yeah. And right and, now, and Eli might be the scapegoat if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He, he I mean for the entirety of his career has taken shit. Other than the two years he won a Super Bowl, I mean, even in 2000, maybe 2008, he wasn't really taking flack. But, you know, 09, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, you name it. Of course. I mean, and again, he does, he's always had the untimely pick. Always. He's always had that red zone pick. The giant offense for the last God knows how long has not been good in the red zone. And it's we blamed it on... Gilbride. We gained on the lack of a running game. We've blamed it on Eli throwing bad picks. There's been a multitude of reasons why, but you know, this fan base, I mean, it's going to be Patrick Ewing syndrome. They're going to find reasons. They want to trade him. They want to get rid of him. They're going to, you know, they may even start booing him at some point. As soon as he's gone, he's going to become, you know, as big of a cheering section for him as when LT comes out, you know, when they tried him out for, Mm -hmm. A, a, a ring of honor ceremony or something definitely yeah um i mean so getting back to beckham let's let's circle back to that yeah so yeah. there's going to be games right when you have an offense with the the amount of weapons that this team has between shepherd and beckham barkley ingram i mean to a certain extent gallman and latimer <clears throat> and even Ellison for that matter, there are going to be games where Beckham has four catches for 80 yards and a touchdown and Barkley has, you know, 27 carries for 180 yards and two touchdowns. And then there's going to be games where, you know, Barkley struggles a little bit and Beckham has, 
you know, 11 catches for 210 yards and two touchdowns. But that's the point. I mean, right? Isn't that why you want a multitude of weapons? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you don't want to be somebody who has to force, you know, 16, 17 targets for a guy and who's constantly being double teamed because there's no threat. Um, you know, we can make an argument and we can talk about this more in the off season. How much of weapons everybody around him is relative to just targets, you know, guys like Shepard, guys like Ingram, guys like Latimer. I mean, how good, I mean, a guy like Ingram is taking a step back this year. Yeah. Shepard is, you know, replaceable. He's not, you know, he's not a feared second guy. So you're not looking at someone who's going to take all the obvious heat off Beckham on the other side. And that makes his life more difficult. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, like, I, I just think that they're, they're set up with Ingram and Latimer as that vertical threat that only needs to have one big play. You just run the same route all game, and once they relax on that route, he has that 60-yard seam pattern, or Latimer has the 60-yard go route. It only needs to work that one time. And then a guy like Shepard is... You know, you, you better watch out for him. He'll carve you up in the short intermediate range the whole game. I, I think that they're not legitimate like, you know, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, but yeah, right. but they are, you know, a something that needs to be taken care of versus yeah. just bodies that were out there like last they're year. They're complimentary. They're not like how we were last year where we basically had guys off the street. They're, exactly, they're yes. Um, I think another thing, too, is I think the perception of what Beckham is going to be is skewed a little bit because he came out of the gate with, you know, how many little slam passes all of a sudden went 70 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. You know, he was a big, big play machine early on, and he's not quite as big, big play as he was. Just the opportunity hasn't been there, but he's been very solid. Oh, yeah. He's still... He still can't be defended for, you know, those passes. Just, he just hasn't been breaking any of those for 60, 70 yards. But he's getting the solid ones for, you know, 15, 20, 25. The, I, I wouldn't even say astute, but the, the Giant fan would know that Beckham is having a good year. The NFL fan who watches the Giants occasionally and mostly watches, like, Red Zone Channel or, you know, highlights, they... Fantasy. Yeah, okay, or fantasy. But, I mean, even to a certain extent, Beckham has good numbers for fantasy. I mean, he might have a dud game here and there, but, you he know. touchdowns, I think. And I'm not, I'm not a fantasy guy. I don't yeah. play fantasy. But I think my sense is that these guys love guys who score. Yeah, well. Uh, scoring that much. Of course, yeah. That's a good point. Um, but, I mean, essentially just the, the, the casual NFL fan that, you know, these big splash plays that they're used to seeing Beckham do – it's, it just hasn't been the story this year as they've finally built an offense that isn't built on the dink and dunk that he occasionally breaks. And by occasionally, I mean like once per game. Uh, breaks for, like you said, 70 yards for a touchdown. It's not built that way anymore. He's still getting similar numbers yardage-wise and catches-wise and targets-wise, but it's a different style offense. These big splash plays are not hitting the highlight reel like they were last year, so the you know the casual NFL fan sees a difference when there kind of isn't. So Grump, let me ask you: Now that we're getting into like week twelve, week thirteen, and also we are starting to see at least some competency in the offensive line. So they're actually being able to execute 
what they want to do. What do you like better about this overall offense as opposed to last year? You know, what, 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 what are the things you see that are like, okay, this is something we can build on. We see a course that they gone, you know, obviously with improving personnel and, and things like that. What's been the biggest improvement you've seen schematically and play calling wise as opposed to last year? Well, I guess I'll start by saying that the offensive line has been more than just competent in the last three weeks. You know, I was skeptical because of the opponents at first with San Francisco, you know, not a very talented roster, but not a untalented defense. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay is kind of a mess, but again, you know, with they're McC- terrible. <laughs> yeah, they're yes, <laughs> but again, I'm just saying in terms of, you know, McCoy and Pierre Paul, guys that need to be taken care of, I, the, the kind of people that can wreck a game individually yes the team sucks i i get it i'm not trying to but again i was skeptical based on their performance against those teams the eagles defensive front and you say whatever you want about the secondary that they trotted out there on sunday that defensive front is for real uh they may not be the best in the league but that was one where that was the true test on whether or not this offensive line has gotten better or not and i while they were not perfect they certainly battled in a way that was nothing remotely close to earlier this year on that oh. Thursday night game so I, I think it's beyond competency at this point I'm actually encouraged so what I what I've liked more uh, I mean pretty simply the overall philosophy uh, the the play action the, the I know that there has been some griping about uh, creativity and scheme and Stuff like that. Uh, but, I mean, you know, while we may have expected one thing from Shermer and gotten maybe not enough of it, such as the, you know, the 21 personnel or 12 personnel, uh, comparing it to 2016 and 2017 is like night and day. Uh, you know, w- I'm Ingram's sure... he has been hurt. Ingram's been hurt, and he has been kind yeah. of not very effective. So well, yeah. That's, that's going to impact... How often, you know, what uh, you know, line up in over your base, what you want to do, too. Well, of course, but I mean... Second half a pass. We've seen... Yeah, yes, ag- agreed. But we have seen the use of Simonson in there at tight end with Rhett Ellison. You know, Shermer has the ability to decide that he wants to throw Evan Ingram as a third wide receiver or something and still keep two other tight ends in there. I mean, they have that flexibility with Ingram. So, yeah, it gets like a little bit of a pass. But the point I'm making is that... I'm not a big fan of the McCarthy, you know, West Coast style where it's like so pure West Coast that like, for instance, I'm just not a big fan of shotgun runs. That draw play from the shotgun, I don't like it. I You know. You have the, the right quarterback to run it, like a, a special quarterback to do that. You have to have a good offensive line. I mean, the running back does not get a full head of steam coming from the shotgun. He's pretty much being handed the ball and starting from a cold start. So when that happens and there's no push from the offensive line, he doesn't have the head of steam to barrel through whatever arm tackles are there. He pretty much goes down. And, you know, you can split the blame between the Ben McAdoo offense, the Jerry Reese drafts, the Mark Ross evaluations, etc. Right? Um, But I like this philosophy. I like this scheme. I think there's a lot of... There's a lot more guys that come out of college that are traditional, you know, traditional linemen um, and stuff like that. I mean, maybe maybe the tight end class is really skewed in the direction of the uh, 
the vertical threat kind of guy. But I, I like that Barkley seemed to be the right running back for this job where he can do everything out of the backfield and then run up the middle. There's a real commitment to the offensive line. I mean, the, the offensive line that played last year was completely different than what we had week one. And what we had week one is completely different than what we have now. Well, not completely, but like what, three they, out of five spots are different. Hey, I mean, they, they've been evaluating as the season's gone on, and they've made some hard decisions. You know, it's not easy to admit that you whiffed on one of your key free agent signings, and they did just that. And it, not that they just bench him, they just move him out of town. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, they've had to deal with a couple of injuries and had to work around that, but that does not stop them from cutting an Eric Flowers, from cutting a Patrick Umami. It's just, you know, they're not pieces they see that are working. They don't see futures with them. And, you know, this roster is going to be, you know, broken down and rebuilt in the image of what Gettleman and Shermer want. So I give them credit for that. Yeah, and they deserve it. But my, my thing, I guess, is that, yeah, like you said, the offensive line wasn't working. They didn't change the scheme to work with what they had. They know that the scheme will work if they get the right personnel in there. So fuck it. Omame not working? Done. Goodbye. We'll get somebody that can do it. And, you yeah. know, maybe Jamon Brown sort of fell in their laps, but I, you have to think that that just was inevitable at that point anyway, that they were going to be looking at the right side of the line, particularly right guard in the draft or free agency anyway. They knew what they needed. Right. Um, and so their commitment to the, maybe not the power running style, but this run the ball, throw the ball out of the backfield, play action, deep threat versus the slants all the time with the occasional drop the middle. And I mean, like, you know, we could talk enough about how Vernon Hargraves was laughing about how the Bucks knew every route that was coming out on every single play last year. So, right. I mean, what's not to like about the offense this year? from a schematic standpoint. I mean, it, sure, it, maybe it's not as good as we hoped, but versus the year before, it's not even close. Yeah, well, I also think, you know, maybe with a quarterback that will be a little more mobile, a little better arm strength going forward, you know, that also will improve it as well. I mean, it's still Eli Manning. And, you know, it's going to, that will help a little bit too. I mean, he, is, he is on the downside of his career, whether this is his last year or next year is his last year. It's not the same Eli as five years ago. Well, absolutely, yeah. And and anytime a a football player is more athletic in any position, it's an upgrade. I mean, of it's not to say Tom Brady, who's a complete statue, is not good. But, you know, if Tom Brady had all the tools that he had plus more mobility, of course he would be a better player. Um, right. The reason why guys like Aaron Donald are coveted, coveted is because they're just so fast and so big that they, they can play that inside position well with such speed that no one else can keep up with them. It's athleticism. Um, All right, now, now you covered, uh, we've covered scheme. Now, how do you feel at the play calling this year? Not decision-making like going for it on fourth down or, you know, going for two here and there. I'm talking about just the, you know, the flow of the game, the, 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 the play calling that Shermer's done. I mean, I haven't been a massive fan of it. Uh, the play design has been, really nice and sometimes on we've seen flashes of it right with uh the drives being put together but again i think 
sometimes the play calling, it's really hard to tell if it's roster problems or play calling problems. I mean, did they call the right play and, you know, the right tackle fell down and it blew everything up? I mean, that takes a lot of real analysis to get to the bottom of it. You know, the play calling has been perfect, no. But one of my favorite things about it has been that it's adjusted throughout the year with the personnel. I mean, we haven't seen... The game they played against San Francisco... Uh, I'm sorry, Tampa Bay. We hadn't seen offensively a game called like that all year. And that was really after the addition of Jamon Brown and a full week and a half or so of practice and getting acclimated to the system. That they really ran the ball down the throat of Tampa Bay. And I think that part of the reason that the play calling wasn't like that earlier in the year is they simply didn't have the personnel to run the ball like that. They 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 couldn't run the ball, exactly. So... Has the play calling been perfect? No. Do I have major complaints about it? No. Can I bitch about it? Yeah, and I think it would be fair for any Giants fan to bitch about it a little bit. Yeah. I am like, I feel play calling is almost like the officials, where if I don't think about the officials, they're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, And to sure. me, play calling is always like, ugh, it's so conservative or just, you know, unimaginative. That bothers me. When it's just sort of happening, I'm not really thinking about it. I'm I'm good. That's kind of how I felt this year. It's, it hasn't been an issue for me of, God, this is so vanilla, or this is and when in times it has been, it's obvious why because they just they can't do anything. You know, I I don't think they're, you know, making a bad situation worse by the the flow and play calling of a game. My well, beef, John, yeah, my I, beef has been with this coaching staff just the, you know, critical game decisions. Those three to five. Decisions that a coach has to make in a game that will can turn a win to a loss, and that I've been very less than impressed with. Yeah, and I'll agree with that. But but just before we jump into that, I just want to say that like the the casual Giants fan, I think, has a real struggle deciding between play calling and the result on the field. Um, a checkdown pass does not mean that that was the number one target. I mean, sometimes right. the right defense is just called for the right play. Sometimes your quarterback is under too much pressure to let a play develop. You know, each time that that happens, you really have to look at it to decide what was at fault. And Same to, with stats. Same yeah, thing. exactly. But to just simply say, like, another check down pass, this play calling, that's just being lazy. So, right. I mean... That's fine if if you don't want to put the work in. I understand because, you know, this is a game of entertainment. It's not work for some people, and that's fine. But that just means that you're probably wrong. Right, exactly. We don't have a game plan. We don't have a game plan coming in that we're going to check down 30 times. That's not the game plan. Exactly, yeah, yeah. There's no offense in the NFL that's designed just to do that over and over and over again. There's no game plan that says Beckham's going to have, you know, if a game there's a lot of check downs, Beckham's going to have three touches. That's not the game plan. It's just the circumstances and situation that the game flows in. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes you game plan a certain way, and they roll out something you didn't expect, or they adjust to your game plan, and you got to adjust back. This is a league of coaching. Yeah. The great coaches adjust. The great coaches put the work in. As far as the game time decisions, I mean, I think we touched on this fairly, fairly, you know, briefly last week. Yeah, we're both not happy with it. I, for one, believe that... It was never the long-term decision, the uh, plan to have Pat Shermer calling plays and being a head coach. And out of necessity, 
They've hired Mike Sula that they don't trust to call plays or really do much. I don't know that he does much of anything other than be a quarterback's coach. Um, you know, and, and they've they've put both of those responsibilities on Shermer. Uh I think that should Shermer have a you know, a Norv Turner would be ideal, but you know, any offensive coordinator with competency to call plays, those those decisions will probably be better. I don't think they'll ever be the perfect Bill Belichick, but I don't think anyone should have expected that going into it. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and again, some of those decisions I don't have a 100% problem with, such as going for two, uh, you know, the first of two times like the Atlanta game. Yeah, I I had, I, a, I, I, I had a massive problem. With well, that. just a, just hear me out. Okay. I wouldn't do it. Doesn't mean that I have a massive problem with it. If you know what the fuck you're doing, if you're ready, if you have that play called, you know what you're doing, then by all means do it. This team is not talented enough to do that. Um, you know, it didn't seem like they really knew what they were doing, like they had practiced this situation enough that they had a play ready to be called or, you know, maybe three plays ready to be called that they just picked one, went up to the line, maybe changed it to play B. But they just went to it. It seemed like there was a whole lot of like, oh, do we go for it? Should we, you know, okay, let's go for it. What play should we run? Well, let's see what, you know what I mean? Just too much fucking thinking. If you want to go for it on fourth down, if you want to, you know, whatever, just it it needs to be practiced and and it didn't look like that. Now, you know, I, I think I said this last week on the review or Monday on the review of the Eagles game going for two right away. You know, if this team were more talented and you had a uh, a play ready to be called that you knew was going to work against their defense that you game planned, by all means, on that first drive, yeah, sure, put them away, whatever. But it didn't look like that, and we all know that this team is not super talented, and you're playing a very good defense. It just, that didn't make sense to me. Now, you know, I will say that I am in favor of a coach that, I am more in favor of a coach that is aggressive than I am one that is conservative. I agree, but I don't get the sense that he is necessarily an aggressive coach. And also, call me a fool, but I tend to believe what I see and what I hear in post-game press conferences. When, especially right after a game is over, it's the heat of the moment. I don't get any sense that he has any conviction in like the decision making. I always get a sense of defensiveness, you know, and also, to be quite honestly, a bunch of bullshit that he's saying. Where I don't get that sense for someone like a Bill Belichick, like who has conviction in what he's doing and has a plan for what he is doing. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I like to, I, I like an aggressive coach. I like a guy like Andy Reid who is always going for two on the first, uh, or Chip Kelly, first drive touchdown going for it. But the, you're right. It's run up to the line. They have a specific play. They're prepared for it, and they do it. This just seems just kind of like – it doesn't seem rhyme or reason some of these – out of left field decisions. And I think because they're out of left field, that increases the chance they're not going to be successful. And we have not really seen one instance this year of a head scratching call that's worked because you're right. It's not decisive. It's not get up to the line. Play is ready to go. Let's do it. And, you know, those two going for twos are different situations in the game and different scenarios, but they were just kind of like, well, let's do it. And that's what kind of worries me about a guy like Shermer, where, you know, he's now in almost the end of his first year of his second stint as a head coach. And you really, I really can't tell you what he is as a head coach. Some coaches you can know kind of right away. 
you know, it's still going to evolve with him. But while we're still trying to figure out what he is, I see a lot of mixed signals of what he wants to be. So, you know, are we going to have this conversation in three years? Is, is he still the head coach of the New York football giants? I'm going to say probably not. I, I just think this is a guy that's just here for now. And this team is still meddling along. He's not going to be here. He's not a guy like a, Someone's like, okay, they're going to struggle for a couple of years as they rebuild the roster. There's no worries with him. I, I, I don't, I just don't know about this guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say probably anything to that question whether or not he's going to be here in three years. I won't say probably. I mean, I could see it fifty-fifty going one way or another. I mean, again, he's going to get Who some slack for. Yeah, he's going to get slack for how well the team does. And, you know, maybe he deserves that, maybe he doesn't, whatever. But, uh, you know, if this if this team drafts well again, like let's just say, for instance, Eli stays, he continues playing a well like he has for most of this year, so you know, everyone. Um, the offensive line continues to build. I mean, this if this team can compete and say maybe just met out, miss out on the playoffs next year and 9-7, and seven, you know, keep his job. yeah, he'll keep his job and he'll be here, you know, two years from now. And it's just, you know, there's so many facets to winning, you know. Let's put it this way, Grump. Yeah. It's like last year, for example, McAdoo, if they would have still been 3-13, and 13, but it was just kind of, you know, all the injuries, he could have survived that very easily, I think. And he had a built-in excuse of all the injuries that team had. I just think that he kind of self-imploded as a coach, lost the locker room, you know, the whole debacle with uh, Eli getting benched and stuff, that he did nothing to help his case. I hate to break it to all you Giant fans who think, you know, even have the discussion of like, were they going to fire Shermer after this year because they're going to be potentially 3-13? and He'll be back next year. That is a guaranteed Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is not an organization that likes to make changes in the first place. And that tells you how bad Ben McAdoo was last year and how he, you know, kind of self-sabotaged himself to making a decision that the Giants certainly did not want to do. So he will be back next year unless something colossal happens that's unforeseen and is not apparent at this moment. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into that discussion. You know, one of the main facets, I mean, one of the things you didn't mention about Ben McAdoo was his complete lack of an answer to the press about his, his uh, after a game, about what he said at halftime. That was, to me, embarrassing. But yeah. the, probably the thing that most people remember, probably the thing that was used as the excuse to get rid of him was the Eli Manning thing. I mean, since he was fired pretty much right after that. Um is it time that we see Kyle Loletta? Well, <laughs> I, do, I do not think so yet because I think you will have that same situation in the locker room if you go to him right now. So is, is that what you're worried about, this, the locker room? Yes. Okay. I, I think, you know, Pat Shermer does not have coin yet with this entire team. He's still a first-year guy. There are still a lot of people on this team that are not Pat Shermer guys. And yes, there will be a lot more roster turnover going forward, but the fastest way this team will tank, internally tank, I'm not saying coaching staff tank, 
where players will check out. The fastest way Janoris Jenkins and Olivier Vernon will check out is if they see that Eli Manning is not quarterback anymore and they decide they're going with Kyle Auletta. And I don't think this organization is strong enough right now to handle that. You know, if you want to bring Lalette in for a series or two, I'm fine with that. You want to have him start like maybe the second half of a game. I think that I think people will understand that. But if they make the decision, you know, season's over, we are going to start. I think if you're going to prep Lalette to say, you know, okay, for the next home game, he's going to be our starting quarterback. I just think you're going to lose half the team. I think a lot of people on this team, I mean, all the fans, all the media think the season's over. But I'm telling you, I think there's a lot of players on that team who still think they have a shot to win the East. And if you're going to not play Eli in significant minutes anymore, you're telling that team it's over. And I don't know how fast this team circles the drain for performance and just tuning out of their coach because they'll feel the coach doesn't believe in them. I feel a little more comfortable putting Laletta in now than I did four weeks ago because I think if you did it with that offensive line four weeks ago, absolutely, when we were one and six or one and seven, my answer would have been, you have no idea what you have with Kyle Laletta because he's going to get killed by that offensive line. At least now, with the offensive line showing some competency, you might see some stuff out of him that you would not have saw a month ago. I just don't think you're going to see much because he's not been prepped from you know the, the plan for when they drafted him to this point to be in this position, but at least I'd feel a little better about him being out there, not just writing it off as this is a waste of time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of connect a bunch of dots here on Go everything that we've talked about. So I'm gonna start with Pat Shermer. What you said was him not really having the coin in the locker room with the players to pull off a big move like that. And I agree with that. What we were talking about just before about, you know, is he going to be here in three years, etc.? I just want to remind everyone of Tom Coughlin's situation at the beginning of the 2007 season. The fans were not completely sold on him. Michael Strahan didn't even report until week one. And they had a very strenuous relationship, the two of them. Grump. Yeah. I'll go back to uh, Bill Parcells' second year. Yeah. He was going to get fired after 312 and 1 after his first year and he was saved. Now, nobody I mean Bill Parcells is a legend. He, he'll buy he'll never pay for another meal in New Jersey ever again in his life, but I remember that horrible year and I remember he was going to get fired. So I it, it's just great. important that, you know, it 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 takes time this organization does not bail on coaches after one year, 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 or even short intervals. But you know, don't forget that. I mean, people's selective memory kind of tune things like that out. But you know, going into the '07 season, Super Bowl was not on the forefront of Giants fans' minds. Yeah, but Tom Coughlin also had coin, though. Remember, very successful in Jacksonville, commanded respect. Correct. Yes. That's a difference, but I get yes, but again, the NFL is a lately business, so, um, and and quite frankly, he had to explain why he kept his job after week two. They started zero and two, and they were terrible, especially on defense. But I digress. Uh, I just wanted to throw that in there because it's it's very relevant, and uh, 
you know, coin is something that is earned over time. You know, he doesn't have the coin now, but just just remember that there was a time when other coaches didn't have coin. Or, you know, maybe that coin was tarnished. I don't know. Whatever dumb metaphor you want for that. Yeah. Moving into Kyle Oletta, of course, obviously, he's going to perform a little bit better these weeks rather than earlier on in the season, you know, most notably before Brown joined the offensive line and Omame had left and, you know, et cetera. But again, we as fans can look at stats now and highlight tape and college tape and, you know, say what we see, even if we've done it a bunch of times and maybe our eye isn't as untrained as people think. But remember that we're not coaches and we're not in there at practice every day. We don't see them in meeting rooms. We don't see them, you know, uh, on the field doing scout team things. We don't see them in the weight room. You know, it wasn't that long ago this fucking idiot was arrested. For being late. Yeah, for being super late and driving like a dickhead for not the first time. They were waiting for him, if I remember the report correctly. That's exactly right. So, you know... I trust that the coaches know whether or not Kyle Laletta is ready to dress before I even suggest the idea that it's time to see him. I won't. If the coaches get him dressed and they say that he's ready, I believe that they have seen enough that they will see it on the field. But until he even dresses for a game, I'm, I am not going to sit here and, and say that I know better. How can I? How can any of us? Um, and, and unless you're a beat reporter that gets to see him in practice, which none of them do, and you've also been a coach at some level, like high school or beyond, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, and you're just, you're just, you're hot taking. It's all conjecture. So, I mean, that's really important to me is what what the coaches see. You know, at this point, all we've seen were some preseason bullshit against guys that are not on NFL rosters anymore, and you know, tape from him at Richmond. Now, that's not to take anything away from him. That's not saying that he can't do it. I'm just saying that I haven't seen it, so I will trust the guys that are actually watching him to make that decision. And And it's more than just just Shermer and just Gettleman. It's also Mike Shula, who has been a quarterback's coach in this league for some time. You say what we will about him as an offensive coordinator or a guy making decisions, but a guy who knows quarterback play and has done a decent job at that. If they think he can't dress, I, I take them at their word, period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, also, I, I also think is they want to play him to, to, quote, see what he can do. They are seeing far more of what he can do Monday through Saturday. Yes. I mean, the, the amount of the amount, the percentage of reps he's going to get in a game relative to the reps he gets in practice. And again, we don't know. Is he getting any first team reps right now? I don't know. Is he still the scout team quarterback? I think he still is. So, I don't know. I, you know, I am not in favor of him playing. Because I, I still have a feeling that they're going to try to, he is not the answer at quarterback. I don't think, you know, I don't know why they drafted him in the first place. When, especially when they had Davis Webb. Um, there may have been some politics going on and why they did that. Um, but, my Feeling has been and will be the next quarterback the New York Football Giants isn't on this roster yet. I agree with you. And, and you know, right on this point, it was like maybe 10 minutes ago that we said that it is commendable that this organization has admitted a mistake in Omame and moved on from him in the middle of the season. 
Kyle Aletta was a draft pick, but he was only a fourth-round pick. He was not some high investment. An investment, yes, but not a high one. If after two years of him not being able to dress on this team, you know, hypothetically speaking, I don't think it's out of the question that they just cut bait with him. You know, at this point, I wouldn't be totally shocked if... I wouldn't have been totally shocked if they cut bait with him after the incident he had with the police. To be completely honest, I wouldn't have been totally shocked. It had no impact on the rest of this season. Sure. So and they, they have a backup quarterback. They have Alex Tanney right now. So it's not like all, all of a sudden the quarterback room is empty and you have to go wildcat every single play if Eli gets hurt. There is a plan in place for that eventuality if it does happen. Yeah, so I agree with you. The next quarterback of the Giants I don't think is currently on the roster. Does that mean next year? Not necessarily. But, I mean, that's for a, you know, a springtime, wintertime podcast. I made my bold prediction on the last show that Eli will be under center for the first game next year. Um, I think that there is a very strong chance of that happening. Um, do we want to talk about Beckham and Shermer going back and forth about the game plan last week? I mean, since we're talking about game planning. I think so. I think it uh, kind of builds into our conversation about Shermer and the coin he has in the locker room or not. Um, well, I mean, I think that maybe – well, it's like frustrating because it's so obvious having grown up here and watching this team my whole life when the bait is out there and when not to take it. I understand that as a wide receiver and as a guy who has the necessary swag, I guess, um, you know, the confidence in himself, you ask a guy like Odell Beckham or Eli Manning for that matter or Saquon Barkley what they would like to do in order to win the game. They want the ball in their hands. They want to be able to do it. They want to be in control of situations. Um, So when you ask him, you know, about why they didn't go downfield more, you know, of course he's going to say, I would have liked to attack their secondary. Of course he's going to say that. He wants to do, he wants to win, and he wants to help do that. He can't do a ton of help when that doesn't happen. Now, when he answers like that, it's so very frustrating because it's so obvious how that's going to be taken. Yeah, well, right? I mean, if people don't like the answers, the questions don't need to be asked. And I also – I actually took it a little bit as not as an I but more as a we. Sure. I think there was I think there was frustration that, you know, these guys, they don't just sit around and show up on Sunday. They watch a lot of game film. They, you know, we talked about, you know, how Kylo Letta right now is the scout team quarterback. They prepare for these teams. They know what the weaknesses are. And when they see, for whatever reason, that a weakness is not being attacked, you know, it's not necessarily me. It's why aren't we just going taking shots, period. But they actually did. Wasn't the first drive of the second half three shots downfield? Yeah, I mean. So actually it kind of was. Um, I just think, And, and know, we've, we've already talked about how Saquon Barkley only got X amount of carries in the second half, etc. Right. Reason being because they were taking some shots. And, and that's sort um, of what Shermer's response was. He kind of rattled off some stats about how often they passed versus how often they ran. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that I think was just Beckham blowing off a little steam. I mean, it's a loss. He, you know, there is a frustration level on this team. I mean, we said earlier how this team still thinks they have a shot, but that shot is getting less and less likely with every loss in every division. Well, oh, the, the shot, the shot's out. There's no shot. The shot. Well, we say that, but these guys still, they need something to play for. Um, 
I didn't have a problem anything what Beckham said. You know, I, you know, this is a different society, a different league than it was 30 years ago where, you know, we, we don't have 46 mutes who don't say anything. They're going to say their opinion. And the media is more provocative than they used to be, and they know who to talk to to press the buttons to get a quote. And he's going to take that, you know. So, but, yeah, I would like to see more shots as well also. I like to see him be more successful. Yeah, I mean, that question, quite frankly, doesn't get asked if, you know, X, Y, and Z happens in that game. Let's remember how close that game was. Three fucking points. You know, if, if one thing just didn't happen that did happen and the Giants win that game, that question doesn't even get asked and it's not even thought about, you know, how often they went downfield or how often they didn't. So. They'd be praised because they were able to win with – even though Barkley was not really involved in the second half. Yeah, exactly. And and again, that's that's why I take it the same way you did is more blowing off steam a guy who, you know, he wants to help. He want like like all guys like that. You know. I don't get the sense. I mean, the more and more you hear Beckham and more like you have to parse out between what is nonsense and what is legit. He just comes across to me as less of a Keyshawn Johnson, give me the ball type of guy. Oh, yeah. And someone that just gets super pissed when they lose. I mean, I think one of the most telling things is a wide receiver's blocking ability and their Mm -hmm. blocking willingness. And I don't think you really – I think you can do about two minutes of tape on Beckham's blocking and you can shut it off and be like, okay, this guy wants to win. It's not about anything else. Well, you've heard to a man, and not just his teammates and his coaches, but anybody who watches practice – Watch his pregame. Nobody works harder than he does in practice. Mm-hmm. That's not someone who does just doesn't care about himself and just you know being around the cameras and you know filling up his Q rating. Yeah, that's and, a guy that works and is you know and he's more pissed when they're losing than sure. he is about himself. Yeah, and let's not forget he's gotten paid already. Exactly. Yeah, he could be. Everybody now all of a sudden has this amnesia about JPP, how great he is now, but people forget even last year after the contract, he wasn't as good as he was playing in the contract year the year before. Yeah. He's not Beckham is not taking any plays off or games off because now he's paid. Yeah, and he's also not trying to pad his stats to get paid. He already got paid. Yeah. The conversation for today, Giants fans think that because Mitchell Trubisky has a shoulder injury and is out and Chase Daniel will be playing that they have a good shot to win this game. I am here to tell you that they don't. <laughs> is Khalil Mack out as well? Yeah. Well, I will say there is a chance, um, and it involves running the ball because Akeem Hicks did not practice this week. And that defensive line that is sort of pedestrian for Chicago, uh, well, I'll say it like this. The Bears have easily the best group of linebackers in the NFL. So any notion of the quick passing game underneath doing a ton of damage is, is sort of silly. The Bears also have a really formidable secondary with Amuka Mara and uh, Kyle Fuller. And Eddie Jackson's been playing fucking lights out. Adrian Amos has even been playing well. Uh, you know, and their their pass rush, I mean, I don't even have to talk about it. You guys know. So, so the long ball is basically out of the question too. The Giants have to get a, a push against that pedestrian defensive line with Akeem Hicks out and slow down the pass rush and the game, for that matter, the old-fashioned way. If they can do that, they can score some points. Can they do that? I seriously doubt it. Um, defensively, you know, I know everybody thinks that with Trubisky out that they have this big shot, but 
you know, that's a really discrediting a guy like Chase Daniel who the same way that they're discrediting guys like Alex Tanney, they've been around in the league. They know what to do. And yes, they have limitations that will prevent them from ever being starters. But and, and let's be honest, this isn't exactly the Rams offense that was all of a sudden being shut down. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but but Chase Daniel is a guy who has a job in this league as a as the first as a second string, the first backup for as long as he has because he's an experienced veteran quarterback that can do the things he can do with what he has. Which is to say that they can game plan around the fact that he has to play for one game. That is the job of a backup quarterback. One to five games. And we've talked about this before, that it's not next man up and just do exactly what the other guy did. That's what his role is on this team. You know, a short burst, get us through this little hump. If Trubisky was out for 10 weeks, their season's over, everybody knows it. But to fill in the gap while he's out until he comes back next week or the week after, guys like this, there's a, it's a specialized role in this league, and they do it well. So Yeah, and, and you know, sure, are they going to have to feature a lot of, ha- uh, you know, Howard and Cohen coming out of the backfield and running up the middle? Yeah, probably they're going to have to lean on that a little bit, but they're talented enough to do that, those two. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm, sure. Allen Robinson's a good – Chase Daniel can throw the ball. He's not a geriatric out there. <laughs> so, you know, defensively, the Giants have to play better. I mean, that's the only way that it's going to happen. Uh, I mean, they've been terrible at stopping any of the intermediate routes, and they've been terrible on third down all year. There's nothing to tell me that just because Chase Daniel is playing quarterback this week that that's suddenly going to change. I don't think yes. so. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to, be able to stop the tight end, which they haven't done in 26 years, or you know, all the yeah. the same bugaboos that always hit this team. A bad job on third down. Yeah. You know, a, a bad job on third and one. So the Grumps the Grumps prediction is a heavy dose of field goals by the New York Giants highlights a loss. Uh, I'm guessing 27 to 19. I do think that some of the things that Chicago's hamstrung with, including the fact that they're not playing at home. You know, maybe they struggle a little bit early on, but they pull away. My my guess is twenty seven nineteen. I'm gonna go even. I'm gonna go much lower score than that. I see them winning something like seventeen nine or something. I just I don't see us doing much of anything on offense. I think it would be close for a while, but I think you know, kind of like some of these other games we've seen this year, where there's a late touchdown, there's a late broken play, and it's uh you know. The score seems worse than the actual game. I think it'll be close. I don't think the Giants will put up much offense at all. Or they won't get the ball in the end zone much at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting like some kind of broken play by Barkley or you know a busted coverage or just something silly. Mm-hmm. Maybe a special teams gaffe that leads to a touchdown or maybe, maybe, maybe the Bears fumble or something like that leads to a touchdown or puts them in a good position. And it's not supposed to be cold, but it's supposed to be rainy. Yeah, so oh, just, of course. Actually, it's going to be kind of warm. I think it's going to be like 60 degrees, but it's supposed to rain. So and It's like every Chicago Giants game ever, right? <laughs> I was at a game at Soldier Field back in 2007 where it was like 35 and freezing rain, and I really wanted just to kill myself. Good thing we won. But, I mean, even close. even in 2016, the game that you and I were late to. Right. Uh, was that 16 or was that last year? No, it was 16, right? 16. 16. Yeah. I mean, in that game, we were late, and it was it was just miserable. Just a shitty fucking day. 
That was the game with the wind and like the missed yeah. extra points. All the extra points, yeah. Right, right. Um, around the league, I, I know right now Dallas is beating New Orleans 10 nothing. It's the second quarter. How do you think that game ends? New Orleans is the best team in the league. That is the type of games that Dallas loses. I I think uh, I think New Orleans will come back. They're not going to be held. As we're taping this right now, there's three and a half minutes left in the first half. I'm not buying that the Saints are going to get shut out and you know be held to like seven or eight points. They'll get their group in the second half. They'll win. They'll win 24-17. Good coaching means so much in this league. Sean Payton goes in the locker room, figures out what's wrong, and they address it. Drew Brees is good enough to execute whatever Payton tells him to do. New Great. Orleans wins. Uh, Washington and Philadelphia have the Monday night game this week. Or the Sunday, I, I don't know. Which one of those? I believe it's the Sunday night game. Well, <laughs> where is that game? In Philly? Yep. I think I like Washington. I Weird. Think... I do too, but I, I couldn't tell you why. Yeah, I couldn't either. It's just, uh, I mean, of the four teams in the East, which one do you think is the best team right now? Just top to, from 1 to 46, what is the best team? Right now, I would say Philadelphia, but that's only because Colt McCoy is playing for Washington. Very interesting. Uh, I just think their secondary is so bad, which could be neutralized by having Colt McCoy quarterback. But uh, getting to that point of the season where you better start making your run if you're going to be good, I think it might be Dallas. I mean, it could be. Well, in any case, that's our show. Um, we will be at the Jamison room before the game. At roughly noon o'clock is when we're trying to be drunk. So uh, if you're around and you're not drunk yet, come on by. <laughs> Let's get drunk together. Um, that's, that's all we have right now, kids. Yeah. Our sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the interim, uh, I am on Twitter at football underscore grump where you can interact with me, ask me questions, argue with me, tell me I'm wrong, whatever you like. Catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. Check out this show and my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we talk all things Florida Gators football. Still basking in the glow of our victory over Florida State and starting to think about bowl season and where some Gators will end up in the NFL if they come out. So a lot of going on. So it's not all and vinegar and being gloom and doom with the Giants with me, although it feels like it lately. Yeah. Um, and this show, again, is on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please subscribe. Please leave us a rating. Please show us some love. And please tell your friends about us. Um, it does mean so much to us. And all of our shows can will will be bumped on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter podcast is at JustGiantsPod. The podcast Twitter is at JustGiantsPod. Sorry, I had that backwards. Or the Just Giants is on the pod at Twitter. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, well, without further ado, go Giants. Go Giants.